Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Let's pray. Lord, as we continue our worship service this morning, I pray that we allow your word and your spirit whom you have put within us to convict us of your truth for the sole purpose of growing in you and being better equipped to share our faith with others so we can see people come to a saving faith in you. Lord, we want to continue to pray for Martha as she heals. We want to pray for Cody and Henesis as they're in Honduras. Thank you for safe travels. Keep them safe while they're in country and prepare the harvest for them to either sow or reap. We pray all this because Jesus himself has made it possible to pray to you. Amen. This right here is Greg Boyd. Now you can just kind of, you know, make this note really quickly, but he is a heretical author Boyd has written this book that you see on the screen there. I don't know if you can read it very well, but it's actually titled, Seeing is Believing. Now, we'll get to the description of the book in just a moment and why I'm actually telling you about this book. But first and foremost, we must state this. Boyd himself is a self-proclaimed open theist. For those of you that don't know what open theism is, I will explain it to you really quickly, and I'm going to give you a brief description It's not going to be exhaustive, but open theism is basically the belief that we have the freedom to choose. Open theists believe that God's future plan is conditional based upon our individual choices. They believe that we get to basically collaborate with God. Yeah, you actually heard me correctly. Collaborate with God. Somehow we are his collaborators, so really, who among us then, if that were even to be true, who among us collaborated with God at creation? Who among us collaborated with God at the cross? Who among us is currently collaborating with God on when Jesus will return? The Bible is very clear in Revelation that God does not need our collaborative efforts. Three times, three times in Revelation, God's word says, and we've all heard it, that he is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Clearly, he does not need us. Quite simply, it's the other way around. We need him. Now as for Boyd's book titled, Seeing is Believing, Let me read this description that actually comes from the publisher of the book about this book titled Seeing is Believing. One of the most common problems with Christians in our modern secularized world is that they don't feel the reality of Jesus. Sure, they believe in him and love him, but he somehow doesn't seem to enter their daily lives in a real sense. Some might say, you ought to pray more, or otherwise would advise somebody to say, you ought to witness more. While this may be true, we don't get closer to God just because we ought to. Boyd believes that the way to true spiritual transformation and feeling the presence of God in your life comes from a little R&R, which he titles and calls Rest and Reality. 
Boyd encourages readers to stop striving and learn to rest in an experience of Jesus as real. The best way to do this, he says, is through imaginative prayer. Experiencing Jesus will teach readers how to use God's gracious gift of creative imagination to know him better and feel his presence in their daily lives. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not an experience. If you want an experience, you can just go about two and a half, three hours north to Walt Disney World and, and get an experience. Jesus is Messiah. He is Savior. Boy's philosophy, though, and, and we must realize this, everything I just read, everything I just told you about open theism, this philosophy in which Boyd subscribes to, it's nothing new. This isn't new stuff. This is the same old recycled nonsense that's been there since the beginning of when the heretics came into the church attempting to discredit the word of God and or lead them astray from the truth. In fact, the contents of that book are just that. They only promote the same exact sorrow Jesus expressed towards the Galileans. It's the exact same sorrow that we see right here in our text today. And the title of our sermon for this morning is this, Healed to Believe. Healed to Believe. We are finishing chapter 4 in the Gospel of John this morning as we look at verses 46 through 54. But before we get any further into that, we must realize what happened last week as we realize that expert witnesses on Jesus believe in Him and testify about Him through repentance. Repentance is when we turn away from our sin and turn back towards God. Today, we are going to witness Jesus' address. The scene is believing worldview. Some of you might be thinking to yourself right now, well, what if Greg Boyd would have just read John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54? He could have saved him time on writing that book. See, the seeing is believing worldview is what we're actually going to see Jesus address, which is akin to what we've already covered previously in John chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. So before we get into today's text, I just want to read what we already went over a few weeks ago, just so we can kind of refresh and hear Jesus himself, where it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name as they observed his signs, which he was doing. So they were believing because they saw Jesus performing miracles. 24 says, but Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them because he knew all people and because he did not need anyone to testify about mankind for he himself knew what was in mankind. The miracles Jesus performed in Jerusalem led to what we would call profession but not possession. They saw him perform a miracle. They professed that he is someone special, maybe even a prophet, but they never possessed his grace, which leads to faith, which actually leads ultimately to our eternal salvation. They believed what they were seeing, but did not possess the faith and grace in which we're talking about, which ultimately, too, leads to repentance. Which is why it says... 
But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them. He himself knew what was in mankind. So let's go ahead and get into our text for this morning and see precisely what we're talking about right here in John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine, and there was a royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and began asking him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son is alive. The man believed the word of Jesus that he spoke to him and went home. And he was now going down. His slaves met him, saying that his son was alive. So he inquired of them that the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son is alive, and he himself believed in his entire household. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come from Judea into Galilee. Amen. So as we look to put these verses into one sentence, becoming our main idea, that sentence looks just like this. Faith in Jesus requires unseen future hope. Faith in Jesus requires unseen future hope. We have to have faith which actually correlates with having hope in something we cannot physically see. So as we begin right here in verse 46, it was again in chapter 2 where John recorded the water to wine miracle. That's where we see this miracle happening, the very first miracle recorded that Jesus actually performed. The same chapter in which John recorded that we read earlier where it said, but Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them. He himself knew what was in mankind. What was in mankind was the attitude, seeing is believing. So we begin right here in verse 46, and what does it say? It says, and there was a royal official. See, this royal official served in the court of Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was the son of Herod, who was the Herod that was the king when Jesus was actually born. Now, Herod Antipas is the Herod responsible for beheading John the Baptist in order that he gave on the request from his stepdaughter. Now, going back to the royal official, though, because that's really what's significant here, it's believed that this royal official actually traveled 25 miles just to go see Jesus. And he did this based solely on Jesus' reputation. The reputation of what he'd been hearing about Jesus led him to travel 25 miles to go encounter Jesus. Now, a 25-mile journey some 2,000 years ago took quite a bit of effort. So when he finally reaches his destination and finds Jesus, he begins by asking. He says, asking him to come down and heal his son. Why? Why is he asking? Oh, that's right. It's because his son was at the point of death. 
Now, at this point, it's also important for us to really make sure we realize how far he traveled. So if, if you left here right now and, and we're going to travel 25 miles in any which direction, depending on traffic, you would probably allot yourself, what, 30, 40 minutes, 45 minutes maybe, depending on where you're going and what the traffic's like. Seems rather easy for us, but this 30 to 45 minute travel time for us in today's world in 2023 wouldn't look the same some 2,000 years ago because if this royal official would have walked the pace of three miles per hour, it would have taken him nine to 10 hours one way just to encounter Jesus. And you know he's not gonna turn around and redo those nine to 10 hours. He's gonna probably have to stay the night and then go back. Or maybe not. We're not actually quite sure on that. But nevertheless, he's got 20 hours of travel time by walking just to make sure he can get this request into Jesus. Now, again, remember something, and this is another reason why we're bringing up the travel time. He's a royal official of King Herod Atypus's court. He shouldn't have to travel to find medical attention for his son. He's in Herod's court. He should have had access to the best medical treatment of the day. The best physician should have been right there. Or maybe, we don't know, maybe he did. And maybe he exhausted all the resources that he had. And just maybe he realized that Jesus was his only option, especially since he knew that his son was going to die. Obviously, medical intervention up until this point for his son had failed. Therefore, the royal official was desperate. And in his desperation, it drove him right to Jesus because he had faith in Jesus' reputation up until this point. Brothers and sisters, desperate faith is what we should all possess. We should all have desperate faith. Like the royal official's son, we too... As it says right here, just like the royal official's son, we too are at the point of death if we don't know Jesus. Or maybe we're at the point of death right before we come to know Jesus because maybe that's exactly where the Lord has taken us in order for us to appreciate the salvation that we can only receive through Christ. And it's our faith in the intervention of Jesus, a.k.a. His person and His work that saves us from death unto life eternal. So as we continue through these verses this morning, verse 48, we see Jesus address the seeing as believing attitude directly. What does he say? Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Now we need to take note of who Jesus is actually addressing. Because he's not addressing the royal official. He says, unless you people... He's speaking in the plural you. This is because faith based on impressive action is not faith of the gospel. The people wanted to see some dramatics. They wanted to see, you know, an experience that thrilled them, something that was thrilling. 
But we know, biblically speaking, this is not the faith of the gospel. Now, if we're going to talk about faith this morning, we better define faith. And the best way to define anything when it comes to something biblical, we allow the Bible to define faith for us. So we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, to define faith. Now, I'm going to read Hebrews 11:1 1 for you where it says, Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. Faith is based on future hope and proof of what cannot be seen. I believe it goes without saying, but I'm going to go ahead and just say it anyway. The biblical definition of faith is the opposite of seeing is believing. And just think about that. I know Christians... I know Christians who have started ministries that touch the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people, and they don't even know it, but they adhere to open theism without even knowing what open theism is. They would buy books from Boyd and take men or women through his books. We can either, you know, rely on what somebody else says or we can rely on what God's Word says. Far too often, God's Word contradicts what man tries to do from a, phys or phys uh, from a philosophical point of view. Now, as we go back to verses 48 through 50, we've established that the royal official was desperate, right? We know that he's desperate. That's why he traveled. He was willing to travel up to 20 hours in order to meet Jesus. However, not only was he desperate, but he was also mistaken. For being as confident in the reputation of Jesus in order to travel this far, he was also still wrong because, see, he thought Jesus could only heal while he was physically present in front of the person in which he had to heal. Even though he was desperate, though, and mistaken, one commentator actually describes the royal official as such. I just want to read this to you. This noble man demonstrated more faith than many today. Many Christians show little confidence in the Lord that they claim as their God. This nobleman is confident that the Lord can heal his son, which is precisely why Jesus says, go, your son is alive. Brothers and sisters, do you, when you evaluate yourself, do you possess such Faith. Are you confident in what Jesus can actually do? Do you have the kind of faith that would have you travel 20 hours for Jesus? I hope we do. Because this royal official that we see here in our text this morning believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. That's what it's telling us. It be he believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and then he went home. See, the royal official believed because of unseen hope. The royal official believed before he had the physical proof that his son was actually healed. The royal official applied Hebrews 11.1 1 to his life. After all, the attitude seen as believing is really just man-made garbage trying to challenge a holy 
infinite God, and it's no different than being in distress and swearing an oath to the Lord. And it's like that famous thing that you see on TV shows or movies or cartoons, whatever it may be, where somebody says, God, if you just get me out of this situation, I swear, I promise I'll serve you. However, this is not what God hears. He hears finite man requesting physical proof, signs and wonders, as well as seeing is believing. Again, this only leads to profession, and it doesn't lead to possession. You can profess the name of Jesus, but only those who possess His grace, which leads to faith, will be spared death and receive eternal life. Again, Faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. So in verse 51 through 54, we see the royal official, as he had just traveled 10 hours one way, 20 hours round trip to encounter Jesus, he had to wait until the next day to travel back to Capernaum. That's the best that we can gather from the information that we have. As the royal official traveled, it says his slaves met him saying that his son was alive. He inquired of them the hour when his son began to get better. They said the seventh hour. It was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son is alive. What happens next lets us know that his son was actually healed to believe. Because what does it say? And he himself believed and his entire household. The royal official himself believed based on Jesus' word alone. Now, some of you might be thinking, how can we draw that conclusion? Well, I believe it's quite simple. If he hadn't believed, his son wouldn't have been healed. He had to believe Jesus right when Jesus said it because Jesus wouldn't heal somebody without having some purpose behind it. And what's the purpose that we see coming on the back end? Not only did the royal official believe, but we also understand that his whole household believed. And this is really similar to the jailer in Acts 16 where he came to a saving faith and his whole entire household came to a saving faith. The royal official and his entire household came to that saving faith in Jesus. And the thing that we have to understand, it was only because of the word of Jesus. It was because Jesus said what he said. It's Jesus' word that we can trust. So as Hallie comes up and we close up this morning, brothers and sisters, we too believe on Jesus and his word alone. We believe His Word that He's a miracle worker. We believe His Word that His work is the work of God Himself. We believe His Word that when He speaks, God speaks. We believe His Word that He is God in human flesh. We believe His Word about His work on the cross we believe His Word about His ascending into heaven. We believe His Word that He'll return again. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We believe because of 
His Word. And as we began John 1, we realized that Jesus is the Word Himself. The same Word believed by King Herod Antipasus, royal official, is the same Word that we believe too. Brothers and sisters, seeing is not believing. Because biblically speaking, believing is based on having faith and hope in His Word. And this is the reason why this morning we stated faith in Jesus requires unseen future hope. Faith in Jesus requires unseen future hope. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer is to be a church that shares our faith with others. I pray that we can be used by you I pray that we place ourselves within your will to make disciples who can go out and sow and reap the harvest that we saw a few weeks ago in your word with the women at the well. We know that this is possible only because of our faith in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.